Welcome to Ghost of Notre Mission's Past. I'm your host, Christopher Struble. Northern Michigan's historic Mackinac Island is recognized as one of the top five island destinations in the world. The history encompassing Mackinac Island is rich and diverse, as well as violent and dark. Possibly the most unique aspect of the island is that motorized vehicles have been banned since 1898, which is quite ironic since this is Michigan, the automobile capital of the world. So in order to navigate the 4.35 square miles while visiting, your choices of transportation are limited to either by foot, bicycle, or one of the many horses that you hear softly clip-clopping along the streets day and night. The island was occupied by the indigenous peoples of northern Michigan, including the Adawa Indians, for millennium prior to 1781. The British built one of the most still intact Revolution-era forts in the country to oversee the thriving fur trade on the island. For reference, the Astor Fur Trading Company that was based on the island's Market Street in the late 1700s brokered upwards of $3 million a year in beaver pelts. That would be close to $100 million in today's money. Fort Mackinac, located on the island of the same name, replaced the older wooden fort on the mainland, named Fort Michel Mackinac. The French in their wording, huh? As previously mentioned, although the fort was primarily constructed as a safe haven for the fur trade, it became a significantly strategic fortress during the years leading up to the War of 1812, and for several years after changing hands at least three times during the ongoing violent revolution. Two of the original structures in the fort, the officer's stone quarters and the guard tower, are the oldest buildings in Michigan. The island also boasts the oldest St. Anne's Catholic parish in the United States. In 1670, the Jesuit missionary Claude Dablon performed the first rites of Catholic faith on the island. In 1781, the same year the island's fort was constructed, a wooden church was moved across the frozen Straits of Mackinac from the former French fort Michel Mackinac on the mainland before the fort was abandoned and burned by the British. The current St. Anne's Church on the island dates to 1874. During the Civil War, the fort served as a prison for three Confederate political prisoners and also housed soldiers until they were transferred to other locations in need of troops during the conflict. In 1875, the island became the second national park in the United States, three years after Yellowstone National Park was dedicated. In 1895, the federal government transferred ownership of the park and the fort to the state of Michigan. There was no longer a need for a garrison at the narrow straits that separate Lake Michigan and Lake Huron, as the last of the nearly two centuries of wars between the French, the English, Americans, and Native Americans had finally come to an end, and the once booming fur trade was quickly being replaced by tourism. Today, 80% of the island remains a state park and a major summer tourist destination, with as many as 15,000 people a day visiting the island in peak summer season. But the island holds many memories and a significant amount of residual energy from the hundreds, if not thousands, of years of trauma, violence, war, and death it has stood witness to. In fact, Mackinac Island is considered one of the most haunted places in the world. Prior to the arrival of the French, the Native Americans used all three islands in the Straits, Boys Blank, Round, and Mackinac as burial grounds. After a bloody conflict at Michel Mackinac during Pontiac's Rebellion in 1763, the only English survivor, Alexander Henry, was forced to spend the night in a cave located on the island to avoid being killed. He later wrote in his memoirs that it had been difficult to sleep for many reasons that fearful evening. 
including how uncomfortable it was lying on what he had originally thought to be sticks. Upon waking the following morning, he discovered he had been attempting to sleep on the countless skeletal remains piled beneath him, hence the name Skull Cave, as the island hollow is still referred to to this day. The cave was not the only place on the island used for burials, not by a long shot. Most of the island, including the entire portion that is now the main downtown tourist, fudge, and shopping district, was once intended to be the final resting place for countless Native Americans that were buried there centuries past, which is both a morbid and conflicting factor that I believe accounts for a substantial amount of the paranormal experiences that locals, guests, and visitors have experienced over the years on the island. I was staying one evening at the Han House, a quaint B&B, which is one of the oldest buildings on the island. During the course of the evening, my roommate kept awakening me with continued updates about the young Native American girls that she claimed were coming in and out of our room throughout the evening. Now I have a very open mind, and I do believe that encounters that happen just beyond the realm of what most people consider normal are possible and often very legitimate. However, with the exception of my roommate's increasing anxiety that evening, that these unseen by my eyes visitors were causing her, I was enjoying a very peaceful rest while listening to the occasional sounds of a passing horse and carriage. The next morning while we were eating breakfast in a small dining room near the back of the inn, I noticed a small glass box on the mantel above the fireplace that contained two small moccasin sandals. When the waitress returned, I inquired about the display and its contents. She informed us that years prior, while they were doing some remodeling in the kitchen, workers came upon the skeletons of two young Native American girls that had been interned there upon their untimely deaths. After the discovery, a shaman was brought in to perform a blessing, and the remains were reinterned, minus their footwear, which were placed in the glass case out of respect and in remembrance of the deceased Native American girls. Just a few years ago, I became acquainted with a woman that spent most of her childhood and young adult life on the island, and she had many stories about the odd things that she'd witnessed on the island over the years, including one evening after the passing of a family friend that owned the Han House Inn, she and her mother were making sure the building was closed tight for the approaching winter. The two had spent countless hours in the old hotel without any prior uneasiness, but on this particular evening, they both heard several noises, including footsteps and the sound of movement coming from the rooms below them. They gave them quite a stir. After bravely and thoroughly searching the inn that they were so familiar with, they never were able to discover any rational explanation or source for the commotion they both had so clearly heard that cold, dark evening. During the years that Fort Mackinac was an active fortress, the island saw at least two major battles during the War of 1812. The British, after making a stealth landing on the backside of the island, managed to gain control of the fort with just a single cannonball fired from high above the main fortress. The Americans, realizing that they were clearly strategically overpowered, surrendered and forfeited their stronghold to the British and were allowed to leave the island with the promise that they would not return to fight. The power of higher ground. Two years later, on July 26th, the Americans set in play an ill-fated plan of attack to retake the fort. Several days later, a bloody battle ensued in a field in the middle of the island. Once again, the British had a strategic advantage. Thirteen Americans were killed and another 51 were severely wounded. The high ground that provided the strategic advantage for the British during their siege is known as Fort Holmes or Fort George, depending on who controlled the island at any given time. It is at this location that many have witnessed groups of seemingly very real soldiers conferring before vanishing into time itself, usually with a surprised look on their faces 
as if they were the ones that had suddenly been startled. The battle itself that was fought when the American troops were once again caught off guard during their onslaught seems to rage on in the field where the American soldiers, including Major Holmes, lost their lives so many years ago. As battle cries and gunshots are often heard by surprised explorers traversing the island's interior. An area just outside of the fort was once used as a shooting range for the armed American troops, as all soldiers were required to be expert marksmen during their time of service on the island. This strip of land was also the location where a makeshift gallows was built to execute a soldier named James Brown, not that James Brown, who killed another soldier named Hugh Flynn in the fort's mess hall. Sightings of an apparition that appears to be that of a soldier dressed in an antiquated uniform walking along the former shooting range is another common yet unexplained occurrence on the island. The apparition is thought to be that of Soldier Brown, whom was caught in limbo as he continues to try and prove his innocence in the shooting death that led to his own brutal execution. The hospital within the fort absorbed an unimaginable amount of pain and sadness that so many suffered during its years in operation. The winters were so severe and the building so incapable of retaining heat that men, women, and children would lay almost frozen to death while fighting for their lives as they battled tuberculosis, typhoid fever, or any other of the deadly diseases of the day. It has been documented that people regularly hear the cries of young children in the building, which for me is just as disturbing as the accounts of present-day visitors seeing piles and piles of phantom limbs on the floor in the old infirmary. When construction of the first hotels began, as the island morphed into a summer resort, it quickly became apparent that the fact that the island, which is essentially a large ancient burial ground, was going to present challenges, to say the least. It was decided by those in authority at the time that it would not serve the tourism trade well if the first thing visitors approaching the island by boat saw were the cemeteries located on the bluffs above the town. So the cemeteries were relocated further inland. Countless remains, however, were left behind and still rest beneath the town's historic buildings. Remember the movie Poltergeist? It is very unfortunate and saddening that little or no concern or respect was paid to the island's deceased as their skeletal remains were unearthed and relocated to make way for stores, cottages, and hotels. Just two winters ago, while a new B&B was being built on Market Street, construction came to a halt after ancient skeletons were found on the site. At least now, there are protocols that have to be followed to relocate the remains respectfully so that they may rest in peace. I'm Christopher Struble, your host, and I invite you to join us next time on Ghost of Northern Michigan's Past as we continue to talk about Michigan's historic Mackinac Island. <laughs>